millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Today on Pop Spot, from X Factor to Eurovision, Dami M is one of Australia's biggest and best performers. It really was life changing. In this episode, she opens up about the highs and lows of her career. I, I think Sony didn't really, no one knew what to do with me. They didn't know how to market an Asian woman who thinks. And whether she'll return to represent Australia at Eurovision. I was thinking of coming back, but I'm always changing, like my mind's changing. Welcome to Pop Spot. I'm Damien Haffenden, and on the line with me right now, the one, the only, Dami M. Hello. Hi, Damien. How are you going? I'm going well, thank you. Hey, that's good to hear. Hey, let's start off because we've just had Eurovision. Let's let's chat yeah. about that because <laughs> it, it seems crazy that it's five years since you were there. Yeah, has it been that long? Five years. Yeah. Yeah, 2016. So. Yeah. Just, just a phenomenal. Uh, Let's go back to that because were you the first, one of the first, let's go back to that. You were one of the first Australians to perform at Eurovision. Were you the first to com- like properly compete? Yes. Yeah, so before me, the year before me was Guy Sebastian and he went in as kind of a wild card. So he went straight through to the final, whereas I was the first year that had to go through like every other country involved through the semi-final and then if you get enough votes you get into the final and so on so yeah you had to face the jury yeah the jury and and the televotes and yeah it was like every other country except the you know the big five that get through automatically um but yeah we were just like everybody else in my year now there was a lot of controversy around that time because a lot of people were happy that Australia was finally being involved. A lot of people weren't happy that Australia was being involved. How did you find mm. it being over there? How was it, you know, being amongst the contestants? Were they happy to see Australia as part of it? At the time, like I, I never felt like I wasn't like we weren't welcome or anything like that. Um, yeah, it was super friendly and. You know, yeah, we were just treated like everybody else, except I guess people were, I felt, if anything, like more excitement that this new continent kind of entered the competition. And I guess, yeah, there were some like 
you know, hate online and things like that. And I did get asked a few times, like, or even like at the big press conference, like, oh, so why is Australia at Eurovision? And I had to explain the big boring answer that (laughs) just like every Eurovision fan already knows. And it's like, if you ask, it just means you don't really follow Eurovision. So I'm like, yeah. But yeah, apart from that, everybody, yeah, it was like really friendly and just fun. Now, you placed second, which is phenomenal considering that Australia hadn't really competed before and you're up against, I mean, you'd be up against some really stiff competition from across Europe as well. Like, how was that received amongst the crowd and how did you feel about that? Yeah, uh, I guess, you know, like I was, Australia was one of 43 countries in that year participating. So, and everybody sends in what they think is the best, right? And everyone's in it to win it kind of thing. So, like, I had no idea if I was going to come, you know, 40th or 10th or whatever, you know. And so the end result, like finishing number two, if I think about it, it's like it's something that I'm, like, so proud of and it's really – I'm really proud of it and – I will be for the rest of my life. Um, yeah. So when you go into it, yeah, every contestant, like you just don't know what you're going to finish. So, And, and coming yeah. second and uh, the Sounds of Silence obviously was, was a massive hit here. Did it open up any doors internationally? Because when we think of Eurovision, we think of ABBA and how they exploded after that. Um, did you find that there was a, a massive spotlight thrown on you after Eurovision? Oh, it was definitely a huge, you know, opportunity for me, like it opened so many new doors and I had, you know, fans come to my shows from Europe to Australia to, you know, come to my shows at like regional Australian tour and it really was life-changing. Like it sounds so dramatic, but it for me, it just changed my career, it changed my attitude towards my career towards my life like everything I think really shifted from that moment on um I like to have had more you know taken more advantage of the opportunities I had in Europe but back then I just didn't have a good support system I think to like because like you know it's it's a lot of work for an Australian to go and do something in Europe you know like it takes so long to get there and it's super expensive so all of those things but it definitely did open so many new doors and I'm I'm still feeling it. Like I still feel very much part of that Eurovision community and, you know, the Europeans still follow my music, my career along and when I do things, like everything's online now so people can just access my new music and my YouTube videos that I make and we st- I feel very connected still to the fans over there. Well, speaking of that, obviously we've had COVID-19 over the last 12, 15 months, whatever. Um, That's really restricted both, you know, Eurovision as well. But performing, going out and seeing crowds, how have you found the last 15 months sort of not being able to get out and see the fans? Yeah, it it was difficult, definitely. I can't deny how, you know, that, that it was a really tough year for everybody in the music industry and yeah, it felt frustrating at times, just not being able to go out. And yeah, I was planning on doing more overseas work and touring in uh, Europe and in Asia and going back to Korea and all those things were lined up last year. So yeah, those things were cancelled. 
But I guess, yeah, like everybody else, I had to just do what I could do and just focus on what was possible, which was just focusing on my music. And I actually, yeah, got more time to just just uh, really zoom in on what I wanted to make musically and, you know, like a lot of time to be introspective and just think about like, yeah, really where I'm heading with my music. And I feel like I've, I've like really benefited from that time in a way. So the the album that I'm working on now and the music that I've released over since like 2020 and this year, I feel like it's getting, it's more something that I'm, really comfortable with as an artist and yeah like I'm really excited about the music that that I'm able to make at the moment so yeah well speaking of that obviously it sounds like there's a new album in the works and it's on the way you've had quite a diverse sound over your career so far so what are we expecting this time around so I guess my music like I'll always be pop pop artist whatever that means I mean pop involves so many genres it just means that it's easy to listen to for a lot of people you know it's not too like experimental whatever but I guess my music is it's evolved but it's still the same like super love and sound of silence that I think those are the most kind of commercially successful music that I've released but yeah it's sort of easy to listen to but I I I try and you know I've learned to really open up in my songwriting and just talking about things that I really feel deeply. And I think when I when I was able to open up about my experience and my vulnerability and all that all those things, like it's more it's I felt like it's more universal and people are able to connect with it better. And yeah, I've released some songs like Marching On, Crying Underwater, you know, Kiss You Anyway, like things that are a lot more honest and just yeah. I think it's more a lot more interesting. So it ranges from like ballads and yeah, incorporating a lot of like my skills, which is like I started off as a pianist. So I, yeah, like that is coming through as well. Um, just experimenting with a little more kind of softer, minimalistic sounds and beats and not too much crazy production and just getting really raw and interesting um, production. And I've been working with a bunch of different people and, you know, like one above who works a lot with Hilltop Hoods and he's got that like hip hop influence in his production. And I love being able to collaborate with people like that, different producers. So yeah, lots of um, interesting things that I feel really fits and I'm really passionate about. Now, one of the albums that you've done in the past is uh, basically an album of Carpenter's songs. Um, that that's that's pretty easy listening. Um, how, how did you come uh, about? How did how did that come about? So, I guess I was with Sony, my previous label at the time, and I released my second album called Heartbeats of my originals. And I, I think Sony didn't really, um, you know, like no one knew what to do with me. Like they <laughs> they didn't know how to sell market an Asian woman who writes songs and sings and plays piano like so it was kind of suggested to me like that I should do this album this you know a covers covers album of the carpenters and I guess I you know I don't mind the beautiful songs by the carpenters and there there's something that my parents used to listen to 
and beautiful music. You know, it's timeless. So I, it was a fun project that I got to do. And yeah, like there were challenges in doing that as well. But, you know, it's received a lot of love and it went, I think it went gold or platinum or something. So I got to tour the album and I guess I learned a lot from doing that as well. Just, you know, how people connect with these songs that they've known since they were young and like people just, you know, I don't know, everyone's crying when they listen to these old songs. So <laughs> that was a really, really interesting experience. And I'm just thinking, mm, I hope one day when people, like people grow up listening to my original songs and they grow old and they listen to do it then and it makes them cry. I, I hope it brings back, you know, nostalgia and lovely memories. Well, you said there that, you know, Sony didn't really know what to do with you. How did you see yourself as an artist at that time? Like, obviously, you saw yourself as a, a pop artist. You were making these great pop songs. They were doing well. But how did you see your – how would you have liked yourself to have been marketed? Um, well, I guess, you know, I was very naive and young at the time as well. So I was trying to find my way through. Um, but I guess – I, I've always been a songwriter and a storyteller and I would have liked to have continued to done my original music that come from my experience and my, you know, like that freedom to just express myself. And I guess what, what Carpenter's album did for me, the positive side was that I, I got to really connect back with my roots of playing the piano and singing. And that, that was something that I was getting sort of like that that was something I wasn't getting to do a lot of anymore because of I don't know the way I was working with all these different producers and so something to do with I'd I'd like (laughs) I'm fumbling a little bit but (laughs) I being able to play the piano write my own songs and kind of finding that sound where the voice comes through you know really minimalistic production like I don't know it's one artist that's hugely <laughs> successful and doing that is like Julia Michaels, you know, she's like, I mean, she's an incredible songwriter, but she, you know, her production isn't overpowering her story or her vocals. And she's able to just tell, yeah, her side of the story and her experience into songs. And I guess I would have liked to, well, I'm, I'm doing that now. So, like, I now I've got no regrets because I've moved forward and I'm making these songs where I get to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, you, you've done other co- covers, obviously, uh, coming from X Factor. Obviously, week after week was covers there. Did you have mm-hmm. much say in the covers that you did on that show or were you kind of given a bit of a menu and said pick one? X Factor, I guess, to be honest, I didn't know a lot of those songs that, people grew up listening to and you know like those really famous songs I didn't know for example like Purple Rain I didn't know that song so you know I did rely on them to come up with the covers that were suitable and sometimes yeah I would definitely say oh this one I can't you know it doesn't fit my voice or it's not really me and they did take that on board so you know it was they definitely had a menu for me and, and that's how these TV shows work, I guess. But yeah, I, I think that was, for me, it was, I was just open to learning different songs and seeing what people connected with. And it, it was more of an experimental 
thing for me because I, I really didn't know. I didn't grow up here. I was just trying to get into the industry and learn things as I go. You've done other covers since then, obviously, Beyonce, Nora Jones, Billie Holiday, um, quite eclectic there. What other <laughs> songs do you reckon that you'd want to take on of, of other artists down the track? What, what's one that's missing uh, from your catalogue? I don't know. I mean, I've done so many. So I, I recently did a cover of Olivia Rodriguez. Um, what's the song? Deja Vu. Because I, I don't know, any song that's got something that's really different and interesting and, you know, if it's a song that tells a great story and it's fun to sing and Deja Vu was one of those songs that I, I thought, oh, wow, I wish I could write something like this. That's so interesting and fun. So that those covers I would, you know, learn because then it helps me write better songs going forward. I, I guess I'll throw this in the mix now because we've talked about experimenting in different genres of music. Have you ever thought about jumping into the K-pop bandwagon? <laughs> uh, I, 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 I'm so proud of how successful K-pop has become all around the world. Like, it's really crazy because I did grow up uh, listening to K-pop with, like, one other friend at school in Brisbane. <laughs> and, yeah, back then it wasn't that big. It was just something for Korean people and some, you know, people with Asian backgrounds. But now it's, like, everywhere. But I've done things with K-pop, like performed at K-pop festivals and collab- not collaborate, but, like, done things, different things with k-pop artists over the years so you know i'll never be a k-pop artist because i think you've got to be in korea and like i don't know what what is k-pop i think you have to sing in korean and you've got to be like kind of imagined through korean producers i think that's well, how was, you become k-pop. i was gonna ask that i was gonna ask what's the difference between you know normal pop and k-pop <laughs> to be honest like k-pop when you like it's just Korean pop music, so and it's got its distinct qualities that people know it for. Like n- normally, it's got like these idols of girl, like good-looking girls or boys, and they dance and they dress really cool, and they have mega expensive music videos, things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but I guess yeah, that's. To me, K-pop is so many different genres of music. There's like the old school stuff, like where it's like they're really songwriters and artists, just like, you know, me or people in Australia. And then there's the the people that are the young ones that just dance and bop along and they're the, yeah, like always new idol groups coming along. And so, yeah. And BTS. My God. (laughs) Phenomenal. (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, all right, well, yeah. let's uh, let's finish where we started with Eurovision. Uh, five years ago, obviously, you were there. Uh, do you still sort of get involved in Eurovision? Do you watch it? Do you have like a Eurovision party? Do you get asked to come along and uh, to commentate on the Eurovision? Like, how is that for you now? Yeah, absolutely. I do, you know, each year I, I get approached by lots of different uh, groups and lots of opportunities. So I've, you know, been a jury for other countries as well in their national selections and, um, yeah, lots of like online parties. I send video to, I was part of the Euro Eurovision Spain pre-party this year and last year and, yeah, all sorts of things. There's, there's just a huge community around it, which is super fun. And I think once you're in, you're in like every year. So I love that. Um, this year I got to team up with Booking.com, who they're, they're the official traveling partner for Eurovision. Um, and uh, I got to decorate my room, living room into a, a Dutch theme, a oh, Netherlands wow. theme, which is where it's held at Rotterdam. And yeah, I got all these like food and strut waffles and so yum and uh, decorations, windmills, all of that. And I did a hosted a Eurovision sleepover with my husband. Wow. <laughs> and um, yeah, so yeah, Booking.com gave people a chance to enter this competition where they do the same. They can decorate in whichever country they like, and they're giving two people an opportunity to travel to a Europe-inspired destination in Australia so yeah I got involved with that and and Nora and I got up early and watched it and he fell asleep so. <laughs> <laughs> well I mean you know you, you win some you lose some did you agree yeah it was it, it was so funny um sorry <laughs> we're watching and then one of the songs I'm like mm, I'm not a big fan of this this is a bit boring for me and I look my right and sure enough he's asleep so yeah there's your there's your jury voting right there i mean come on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, did you agree with the result this year were you happy with that wow it was it was so exciting when the results came in like it was such a close tie like you couldn't tell who was going to win until the right like last minute last moment and um before the result came in, Nora and I were arguing about who's going to win. And I actually, I'm, I'm not making this up. I was telling everybody that Italy was going to win. And Noah was telling people France was going to win. So Italy won. So I was right. Well, you are Australia's <laughs> queen of Eurovision. Like, you should know. Yeah, no, but this is, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm rambling because, I did a YouTube video a couple of weeks ago and I actually filmed it like a few weeks before and I I said Italy was only my top four and I said um, Switzerland was going to win. So I'm like, no, 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 I, I changed my mind since then and I picked Italy. So, <laughs> Well, you got to close the odds as it comes through here. Like it, that's just what happens. 
Yeah, no, but it, it was really cool. Like, yeah, Italy was awesome. They, it was. I, I just love what I love about Eurovision is that each year the winner is just so different, and you just don't know what kind of yeah, like what genre's going to win. And this year was like a rock band, and that hasn't happened for a while. So, yeah, I think people were surprised, and I'm I'm surprised that yeah, like. Surprised and not surprised because it's Eurovision that a rock band has won. Now, are you able to compete again or is it like a US president thing where you've only got a limited number of times, <laughs> number of slots? Thank God. Um, you can go for as many times as you want. So a lot of Eurovision acts have come back several times. I think the Russian entry, Sergei, from my year, he was back a few times or three times. And people come back through the same country or even representing different countries. So it's interesting. Well, Gina G represented the UK. Come on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess that means, would, would you do it again? I, I, I did say uh, beginning of last year before COVID that I was going to come back next year, which is this year, which didn't happen, you know, COVID. So Montaigne got cancelled last year. She went this year. Not went, but she, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. participated this year. So me, I, I'm I'm not sure. I was thinking of coming back, you know, even next year. But at the moment, I, I'm always changing. Like my mind's changing. It's such a huge commitment and you just got to be ready to just focus on that and nothing else. And I have to see if I have that much uh, desire and, you know, energy to just focus on that we've if had, I decide to do it. We've had 12 yeah. months to get a lot of material ready, so just stack it all up and then get ready for the next Eurovision. Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I, don't right. know. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks so much for uh, catching up. Um, it's interesting to hear that you uh, uh, that insight into Eurovision because I'm not one of those people who watches it that often, but I know a lot yeah. of people do. And so it's, it's great to hear that inside word on what happens. Yeah. Oh, no. Thanks for having the chat. And, um, yeah, always love talking about Eurovision. So and we look forward to the time. new music as well. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, new music coming soon, so... Look forward to it. <laughs> Thank you, Dami Him. <laughs> all right, thanks, Damien. Now, Dami is about to head out on the road. She's going on tour. You can check out all the details in the link in the show notes. All the details are there. Thanks for tuning in and listening to the latest episode of Popspot from 7news.com.au. Yeah.